Betty. Hi, it's Rachel and Sophie here. Here on Pushing 20, welcome to the podcast where <laughs> some newly 20-year-old girls give some poor advice on life and death. Sophie and I have been best friends since we were in the seventh grade. We became really close when we bonded one one night. Halloween, actually, we talked for a couple hours and we've been really close ever since. Um, we've gone through lots of changes and personal developments, but we are always able to connect back up and talk about the important things going on in life. So we thought we'd start a podcast and from our limited experience and unique perspectives as people that were always kind of on the outside of <laughs> of the norm um and as young 20 somethings sophie's still 19 but she'll be 20 soon mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we want to share this journey of growing up in this tumultuous world that we're living in um and give advice that nobody asked for and nobody will probably listen to but we'll be learning about each other and exploring our minds <laughs> slowly but surely the quality of these podcasts will rise <laughs> yes we are brand new to this technology and process but stick around and maybe maybe it'll be just amazing at some point <laughs> um so today we thought we would talk about something related to our current global situation that situation being the pandemic that we're all living in but a maybe a less serious and more lighthearted topic around that being relationships and dating during a pandemic and some of the issues that come up with that and some of our personal anecdotes of issues that we've faced in the past five or six almost six months um, of living in quarantine we're going to hopefully be able to look at question forums and find all these unanswered questions from lonely strangers on the internet and offer them our advice and in turn offer you advice do you want to jump right in Let's jump right in. Okay, first question I'm seeing um, is on Reddit. It's posted two hours ago, and it says, Guys, how are you meeting women during COVID? Okay, so I think I am currently single right now. <laughs> Have been for over a year. And I think people will immediately jump to dating apps, Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, others. Um, and I think it's complicated right now because we're not technically supposed to be meeting up and going on dates uh probably definitely shouldn't be hooking up (laughs) because that's kind of defeats the entire purpose of social distancing Uh, i know a lot of people are going on social distance dates i went on a few social distance dates during quarantine where we like went on a walk to the park and talked um now none of those have gone anywhere (laughs) ever since the initial (laughs) gathering because I think people don't necessarily have the mental capacity to date right now or start a brand new relationship although I will say I've had roommates and friends begin relationships during this time um, which is kind of surprising and also have gone through a few I've known people who have dated a few people within the past five months which is alarming in a way i mean i think it really is just your presence on these apps i think texting first on these apps is also a big one i know there's a lot of pressure around that i don't know i i I personally have difficulty with that but i also heard that those websites and dating apps and stuff were finding that people since covid began 
we're having longer conversations on the apps themselves and more detailed conversations. So that's a good sign, I guess. I have a friend who, um, <laughs> who they exited out of a relationship about a couple of months ago. And since then, you know, they've, they've been really worried about meeting someone else and not just like to jump into a new relationship, but moreover to, to have flirtation and to like be with other people and get certain needs met. So, um, they joined a dating app and have been on it since, and they've gone through a couple like close people that they were talking to on dating apps that they were considering meeting up with in person. But when it got to the point to meet up with them, um, one of them, it was going really well with, but then they, that person flaked out at the last second. But my friend was telling me that like, oh, I'm worried about getting COVID, but also I want to hook up. <laughs> so was like, do I risk it? Do I go to a park and sit six feet from them to get to know them? Or do I risk it and we hook up and just like see what happens? And like in their area, COVID tests aren't that accessible. And so they couldn't be tested beforehand. And this was a big dilemma they were having. And furthermore, like, we don't know when this is going to end, so I think a lot of us are going to fall into this dilemma. Yeah, the primal desire takes over, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think ideally, in an ideal world, none of us would see anybody, and, like, we would all social distance and isolate. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think we're living in an ideal world, and I don't think that, you know, having one encounter or something is a bad person. I think that the people who are going to large parties... Um, and hooking up with multiple people in a night and really not having any regard for the virus um, or the danger that it poses to other people, I think that makes you a dubious moral player. And I'm actually currently living in my college town, which I will not name the name of, but we have had serious, serious issues with partying and people just not caring. Um, almost every weekend there are more and more pictures of these huge ragers that are taking place. Um, and I also hear them from my apartment, and it's just so frustrating. Um, and I yeah. know that, uh, like, those people are really just prolonging this entire process for everybody. Because um, we have, like, a slippery slope um, mindset about this, or at least that's what I'm seeing, and that's actually a fallacy. Um, you know, people will say, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, wear masks forever, social distance forever, but... No one is saying that. No one is saying you have to wear masks forever or social mm -hmm. distance forever. They're saying you have to do it right now. And the less that you are compliant with that, the longer this will go on. Um, and plus, people are very weird about the government telling them what to do. But the government already tells us what to do in so many other ways that we're kind of simply compliant with. So I find that that perspective to be kind of odd and doesn't really make any sense and it only really seems to function off of an individual self-interest or selfishness um but that being said I think that having a social distance date wearing masks that kind of thing doesn't in and of itself make a person a bad moral agent um and I think that those things can be acceptable because yeah it is difficult and we do crave intimacy and and touch and <laughs> all of that stuff um but also i think that people meeting electronically could be conducive to something really positive like if you meet somebody in a zoom class or on a dating app and maybe you don't meet up until it's safe to do so and you kind of build this stronger emotional connection before yeah, it'd actually be good for long-term relationships not for hookup culture yeah hookup culture is definitely not safe during a 
pandemic. Don't condone. I mean, normally it's fine. There's no issue as long as everybody's being safe and respectful to one another and obviously giving full consent. But uh, during a pandemic, it might not be the best decision just because trying not to spread a disease. (laughs) Yeah, I think the ultimate tip for Zoom, like getting to know someone over Zoom is to pin their video. Oh my god. Like, oh, there's a cute person in, you know, whatever class I'm in, so I'm gonna pin their video, and then I can just, like, look at them and how, watch them, and, like, it's pretty creepy. How is that but... advice to, like, get to know somebody? <laughs> okay, maybe it's not, I haven't, I haven't been in the trying to get a man category in a while, but, or a woman, but I love the idea of, like, there's some, you're shy, there's someone cute in your class, and you, like, private chat them over Zoom and pin their video, but I, I understand know. that's kind of creepy. I know. I, I like that idea, too. And there have been a couple people I've seen in a Zoom class where I'm like, hmm, what if I just what if I just messaged you privately? But I'm always <laughs> afraid that, like, they're dating somebody or it's mm-hmm. just going to seem really odd. And at the time, because I haven't had Zoom classes since um, my spring semester, so at the time, Zoom was really new and everybody was just kind of adjusting to it. And I didn't, like, I didn't know if we were all ready for that flirting over zoom scenario but yeah now we're ready come this fall you can bet i'll be ready i'm, I'm ready for those breakout rooms <laughs> <laughs> the breakout room we should treat breakout rooms as like speed dating oh my god like we should create this really convoluted uh set of like dating rules and activities over zoom that our mm. professors are unaware of it's so rude i would never do this to a professor <laughs> but like hypothetically you know and you like you set up all these rules of like, oh, if you get in a breakout room with, you know, three people, they all have to list like where they would take you on a first date and like, um, and like, oh, if you, you know, I don't know, you private message everyone throughout class to get to know them. You have like different icebreakers and each class is like a theme or something. We just like take over Zoom. That is a problem with Zoom is like, you know, in real life, there's like a lot of ways the students have to be engaged, but in Zoom, there's a million ways you can like play a game on the same screen, like over Zoom. So your teacher thinks you're paying attention or like be texting someone or be like, take a photo, like a video of yourself paying attention to someone for 30 (laughs) seconds and then just like play it on loop. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it is for like really young kids who are doing elementary school over Zoom because it's already yeah. so hard for kids to focus and sit down. Like I couldn't imagine doing that or high school even. I feel like it's so easy to doze off and drift off because college classes are somewhat interesting and you feel the pressure of like I'm paying for this and it's kind of important to pay attention, but yeah, I don't know. Plus, I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's the biggest issue I think with Zoom is that you can kind of just drift away and not not be present and or um my biggest issue is that a lot of my professors opted to do asynchronous classes meaning they're not mm-hmm. live so they're like videos that I watch and they accumulate Those are so hard to get through yeah they accumulate because I just will put it off because I'll be like oh well instead of watching this at like the time when the class would normally be I'll just put it off because I can do other stuff or I just don't feel like it and then suddenly I have five like hour-long lectures to watch and uh, like a paper that's due the next week about all of those lectures and I it's it's that's really bad (laughs) I dislike asynchronous classes yeah I'm lucky that three of my classes are in person and the one that is not is everything is like we're zooming at the same time to create this discussion just assume we're like imagine you're in class it's just over zoom Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there was something else I wanted to add about this whole relationships and dating over uh during quarantine or during a pandemic that I find very frustrating 
Um, and that is if you were somebody who pre-pandemic were seeing somebody or beginning to see somebody and it was starting to progress um, to yeah. a really positive place in a really good direction you're kind of headed down that road to like oh boy this is really happening and then suddenly there's a pandemic and your classes are all online and everybody has to move out of your college town and everybody's sad and not motivated and wants to be alone or and has to be alone um and then suddenly now you're no longer on that road (laughs) to being almost in a relationship (laughs) so frustrating um, and I sympathize for people in that circumstance. <laughs> That's something me and my, my friend were talking about yesterday, because we both were studying abroad, like, pre-pandemic, and then we're sent home, and we made these really great connections with friends abroad, and we were saying, she was saying, like, if I had stayed abroad for the full five months, we would have become so close, but because we were sent home two months in, we were only kind of close, and so do I, like, put in a lot of extra effort to maintain these relationships that I know would have been really great relationships or is it just like that's so unlucky and you just are not gonna have those people in your life because it's like once you get to a certain level of closeness with someone you kind of know you can always reach out and reconnect Mm -hmm. but before Mm -hmm. that it's like oh well your relationship didn't pass stage five so I guess it's not really gonna happen (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like it doesn't entirely manifest Mm -hmm. I was also thinking about that like in regards to my spring classes because I those were all online from beginning to end so I could have potentially made really great friends in those classes um but because it was online and like some of the lectures were asynchronous or some of them um you know people didn't have their cameras on or it was just a big lecture like I ended up meeting no nobody (laughs) making no friends in any of those classes because there was just no way for that to happen um and that's I think been a really difficult thing about the pandemic is expectation kind of just suddenly disappearing from our our world and thinking about what could have been and what we could have done with all the extra time and also I feel like I'm it almost doesn't feel entirely worth it to pursue relationships I was pursuing pre-covid because I feel like an entirely different mm-hmm. human being I feel like in the, the past six months for a lot of people have been incredibly transformative and have caused us to reprioritize our lives and um you know adjust our our values and ideologies and it's just been I mean so much has happened all over the world within the past year it's like I can't imagine returning to school in person and being at all how I was before I feel like I just I care way less about things that I used to care a lot about and I feel like my self-confidence has improved and like I don't know it just it's really been I, I feel like a totally different person yeah that's wonderful I do I do think a lot of people have felt that way throughout this pandemic I'm sorry if you can hear my stomach I just had a lot of very cheesy pizza and I'm pretty <laughs> lactose intolerant and my stomach is like mm. trying to digest it and making lots of noises <laughs> we love cheesy pizza I should have um, taken a lactate <laughs> should have taken a lactate um, there was something else I was going to say that you brought up about having a friend and it not really ever totally uh, turning into anything, which is also something I've been thinking a lot about this pandemic, <laughs> this pandemic season, hopefully not a seasonal thing, but who knows? Uh, we have 
I have ceased ever trying to have expectations about the future ever again. Um, which <laughs> Me is too. that I think we think about our relationships in a very linear sense, in a very binary sense. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things. Like I think we're brought up with a lot of um, ideas of what a relationship should look like. You know, we're socialized to have those beliefs, whether that belief is heteronormativity. You know, we're socialized to believe that we're all homosexual or heterosexual by default, which is obviously not the case. Um, you know, we're all taught to believe that you ought to be probably monogamous for most of your life, which is also not the case. Um, and then also with like the kind of romantic versus sexual versus platonic friendship barrier. Mm -hmm. I think we think a lot of our relationships of being, oh, either we're friends and like we're close friends or we're acquaintances or we're lovers and we're like physically involved or we're romantic and we're in love and whatever. And I think that a lot of relationships actually lie within the gray area and it's not entirely clear what parameters you are with somebody by like it's neither here nor there is what I'm saying mm -hmm. and I, I I I feel like we would be a lot more forgiving of each other and enjoy our relationships a lot more if we realized that because I think it is really disheartening to think oh if I was friends with this person then I you know if we were friends for two months longer we would be really really close yeah. and that would be another really really close friend but there, I think the reality is that not every relationship that you have or every person that you meet is going to become somebody significant in your life. Like, you could um, have a short meeting with somebody where you feel very attached to each other, it's very intimate, it's very emotional, but then you kind of just part ways and never talk to each other again. And maybe you feel like it was the prelude to something greater, but it just wasn't, and that's okay. Um, if anybody's ever seen the movie... Uh, Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola, you might know what I'm talking about, um, you know, in which Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson meet in Japan for only like four days and they become friends and it's not like they're lovers or anything and it's not like they're in love, but they have a very, they form a very close bond and then they both kind of part ways and like that's it and they move on with their lives. But what happened and the experience they shared was really significant. And I've been thinking about a lot about that more, about how relationships are, you know, they can be in the gray area. You can be more than friends, but not necessarily romantically involved. Or you could know somebody who is an, a good acquaintance and somebody that you enjoy their presence, but perhaps you don't form any kind of close friendship bond afterwards, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes it's just not going to manifest into anything more, and sometimes it just is what it is, and we can appreciate and enjoy those experiences that we have with people. And I think that that can be a really beautiful thing and something that the pandemic has taught me. You know, the people who want to stay in your life are going to make an effort to stay in your life. And just because somebody isn't, it doesn't necessarily make the experience negative just because it didn't turn into anything. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm kind of just ram rambling on and on about this, but I hope that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. There's a TikTok I've been seeing around that... I love, I just got TikTok, it's incredible, <laughs> um, and it's basically like, hey, um, if he wanted to, he would, and right. that means that if he wanted to, he would, and because he hasn't, that means he didn't want to, because if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I have that's actually so profound and real, yeah. like, just if they wanted to reach out or be in your life, they would. And yeah. so the fact that they are not is closure enough that they don't want it. I feel like though some that is kind of true, but a bit misleading. Because I think there are 
I think the the principle and the, the main premise of it mm-hmm. is true. Like, yeah, people who want to stay in your life will make an effort. But I think just because somebody isn't doing anything right now doesn't necessarily mean yeah. anything about the future. I mean, COVID, listen, I <laughs> think I and all of my friends have such little energy to, like, reach out and maintain relationships right now that this, if people are distant right now, I don't think you should read into it at all. But yeah. if people are, like continuously unengaged and not trying to become more engaged in a normal point in life I think that says a lot so we're gonna shift slightly I think to back to COVID relationships and back to answering a few questions um as you can tell we get sidetracked very easily (laughs) so uh I've been reading a lot of questions about people who are in relationships and are finding that COVID in one way or another is putting a strain on their relationship Um, the most common reasons I've seen are because they're spending a lot of time together. Um, I think financial burden is another really big thing that can put pressure on a relationship in any case, regardless of whether or not, you know, there's a global pandemic. I know during the recession of 2008, uh, my parents divorced, so. (laughs) Did they Um, really in 2008? Yeah, they did in in the recession, um, that financial crisis. And I know that was a common actual, like a common experience that I found from TikTok, um, that we all shared a similar childhood. So yeah, so that is one reason. Also, um, this, the question I'm seeing in particular is from somebody who find, who found that they and their spouse have differing political views Mm. about mask wearing specifically. That's rough. Um, yeah, so that's another that's another issue, um, and also travel as well. Like some people are not willing to travel to see their spouse, or um, aren't are, are a bit more anxious about the COVID situation and don't feel comfortable frequenting non-essential businesses or even going out to eat or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, people are struggling to have a relationship. And I've heard, I heard, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, people were speculating that either relationships would uh, deepen would become stronger from COVID or they would become strained and it would be stressful um, and I think it certainly depends on where you are at in a relationship I think if you're married to somebody and you have children I mean I, I think I can see it taking a direction where you know because of the financial issues you're struggling a lot um, yeah or you're forced to spend too much time together yeah yeah um and also the political thing. Um, you know, I, I used to date somebody who had completely different political views than I do. And at the time, mm-hmm. I we didn't really talk about politics that much when we would talk. Um, and, I, and I felt like it didn't come up. And I, it, I also felt like the issues that were the most important to me and that I was the most passionate about, we shared an opinion on. It was more minor things. Um, or things that weren't so obvious in our worldview because we were still in high school. Um, You know, sometimes when politics are taught to you at that age, when you haven't really faced real struggle before, it can feel like an abstract thing. Um, And then you come into the adult life and living on your own and working on your own and realize that it is not an abstract thing and that those things pertain to you in really direct ways and that you, the decisions you make have consequences. Yeah, so at the time it wasn't an issue, but if I were in that relationship now, given everything that's gone on with the pandemic, with um, Black Lives Matter, all of these, uh, with the election coming up, I do not think I would have stayed in that relationship at that point. Like, I think, 
I think now it would never work because because of our differing politics. Um, and that's not to say that people who have different beliefs cannot date each other, but I think there are some things that are so fundamental to who you are and the decisions that you make as a person that if you're with somebody who isn't supportive of them, it might not be the best idea. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you look at relationships, like I think the biggest the most important part of a relationship to get it to last and to be healthy is to have shared values. Mm-hmm. Like you can be extrovert, introverted. One person can be very artsy. The other can be surfer whatever. Who cares? Like you can have very different interests. That's all superficial. But the thing that like really creates a relationship and will allow a relationship to like exist and flourish long term is to have shared values and and values that sure they change a little bit over time but are they're pretty inherent to who you are and politics is largely just a reflection of our most important values you know like mm-hmm. they it's literally such a reflection of who you are and what you believe in and so it would be crazy if that didn't affect your relationships yeah. you know and i think especially us politics um, yeah. And and right now, just given how intense and severe our political climate is, um, I think it really is a reflection. Like, I couldn't date anybody who didn't support Black Lives Matter movement. I couldn't yeah. date anybody who wasn't concerned about COVID or didn't believe in wearing a mask, which is an absurd belief, if you ask me. Um, if you, I mean, that, that the absurd belief being if you think you should not wear a mask. I think you should wear a mask you know, a person who is a truther about COVID and thinks it's fake. Um, anybody truther. who Donald Trump. I just couldn't do it morally. I don't think I could morally be with somebody like that. Um, yeah. And I don't think you could either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could. But at the time, it was interesting because I, I really did, I brushed it aside in a lot of ways. Um, because I think I was very much of the mindset of, like, I should listen to people and be charitable to other people's views and it's okay that he believes these things because there aren't necessarily any direct harmful consequences but I think in growing up I realized that there are and the things that we believe do matter yeah they do um because they affect the choices that we make and you know who we vote for and that kind of stuff is really important in regards to like spending too much time with a partner I think I wouldn't be sure how to fix that issue (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that the classic, like, I've been in, uh, like, a college relationship where you spend the night every night, and you hang out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you spend a lot of time together, and the ma- I really enjoyed it, but the major thing I realized is, like, you need your alone time. Maybe if you're an extrovert, you'd think you don't, but you have a personal identity that really needs to be sustained in order to have like a group identity with someone else and that's something we forget we're like well if I spend all my time with you and we create this beautiful thing then I'll just be in the beautiful thing but the beautiful thing can only exist if the two of you know who you are as individuals and it's really easy to lose sight of that and not to feed what you need as individuals if you spend all your time together and that's I think where problems arise is when someone has a need that isn't being met and they blame the other person because they're like I'm so dedicated to the group that I'm not fulfilling my personal needs and and so now oh I'm out of touch with myself and my personal needs and I'm upset about that and if and if you're feeling that way it's it's like 
it's about taking the space from your partner for a bit to focus on something that makes you feel yourself. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting, yeah, that you might not develop, you might latch on to the person that you're with so much that that becomes your identity, is that you're with that person. Yeah, or even it just becomes more of your identity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, like if you get married... You're saying, okay, I'm going mm-hmm. to compromise in my life. It's like a series of compromises, right, to sustain this relationship. So you compromise mm-hmm. on maybe the ideal job or you might want to move, whatever friends you have, whatever, how you spend your time. And it's like giving energy to the group to exist. This is such a sociologic perspective. It's like giving <laughs> energy to the group to exist and not feeding the individual. But groups only work when well when the individuals are like fully fed too, mm-hmm. you know, so... I've always had kind of a weird problem with marriage. Like, I grew up with divorced parents, so it makes sense. But the idea that, like, you would sacrifice so much of your individual liberties to be with someone Mm -hmm. sounds like, I don't know, just sort of personally harmful. Like, you might end up, yeah, like a lot of people do, 15, 40 years down the line, not really knowing who you are anymore and not feeling like you have the courage to go find it again because it's been so long since you knew that that I, I think that the aversion to marriage is a common symptom of, of being raised in Gen Z. I think that that's a very Gen Z quality. And I'm just saying that because I share an aversion. I think a lot of us in Gen Z do have divorced parents because, you know, if you grew up uh, 50s, 60s, there was much more of a taboo around being divorced and being from a divorced family. Yeah. It's become significantly more normalized. I'm pretty sure the divorce rate in the U.S. is 45%, so a little less than 50. So um, it's not quite half, but it's a significant, that's a significant amount of couples who seek divorce. And I think a lot of kids who yeah. grew up in Gen Z, possibly millennials, but I think more so Gen Z, have, grew up from, were raised from divorced families um, or maybe non-traditional families and don't necessarily see the merit or yeah. the value in getting married. I mean, I certainly don't. I, I find it kind of a strange um, practice. Um, I mean, I think it's personal choice and everybody can do what they want. But I, I've, my experience with marriage, maybe because of my parents, or probably mostly because of my parents, it has been one of, like, it's stressful because of the financial burden, because mm-hmm. of the sense of obligation and responsibility. Um, the whole wedding process sounds really stressful and not like something I necessarily want to subject myself to intentionally. It's expensive. It's a lot of planning. It seems like for show. I also don't want that much attention. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'd get embarrassed. Like, I don't want to wa- I don't want people to watch me get married. That like, I feel like that's embarrassing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I also just think it's, like, people, I mean, listen, I don't expect, I don't know how you can expect someone to stay the same or to grow with you and thus compromise possibly their own growth for, like, 50 plus years or whatever, which is the expectation of marriage. Like, I would never ask Sophie, like, Sophie, (laughs) don't, you know, don't don't go to Oxford for grad school, don't, like you know, pursue your dream, like, stay with me so we can be best friends forever. Like, Mm -hmm. it just seems like if you two really have so much in common and your lives follow similar paths, I'm all for long-term relationships. 
and like oh our relationship has worked really well it's continuing to work we're staying together but to commit so far into the future when you don't know what the future's gonna look like and what you guys are gonna look like just seems yeah kind of silly like would it be so bad if you had a wonderful long-term relationship and then you both changed a lot and so you decided okay I'm gonna spend some time alone and find another beautiful long-term relationship with a different person who fits my changes and you can continue changing your whole life and supporting Mm -hmm. yourself as a person because no one even if you get married can be with you all of the time through everything yeah that's I kind of relates back to what I was saying earlier about how I think we're starting to discover a lot of the myths that we were socialized with yeah. about relationships. One of those being like monogamy, monogamy um, and marriage and, and that we feel like that's something that we have to do or like that's the next natural step in a relationship when, at least for me, it isn't clear that that is the nat- the next natural step to take. And yeah. I think, you know, we're, we're young. I'm bar- not even 20 years old yet. I think our opinions might change down the line, but currently I don't see the appeal and it's really shocking because people that are similarly aged to us are getting married like people I know I know someone who's a year younger than me who just got married that's crazy I mean I guess good for them but that's like she was in our Spanish class really you and I Spanish class sophomore year I didn't tell you about this she's Mormon and she just got married, and it's just, yeah, it's it's actually great. I mean, that's part of, like, we went to a high school with a lot, with a really big Mormon population. Like, one of my best friends grew up Mormon. Mm. And so, us especially, like, we're seeing a lot of young people getting married right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been following this girl on uh, TikTok who is ex-Mormon, and she has so many interesting... Um, <laughs> interesting anecdotes and stories from oh yeah from growing up in as a mormon and like about people's <laughs> relationships and marriages and mm-hmm. um she and i'm not mormon and i i don't know that much about the mormon religion but she was discussing how a lot of people do get married quite young because they do want because there is a sexual desire and they want to experience that and she talked about um and this is like a viral tiktok so a lot of people may be familiar with it but she talked about honeymooners which is where they basically have their first time right after they get married as like a quickie um so it's not very good why would they do that because they just really you know they They can't wait any longer they can't wait any longer and it's I don't know the that is another odd thing and we're getting a little bit off topic but the it seems like why like if it is a sacred you know consummation of a relationship or a promise of a bond it seems weird that you would treat it as a quickie like if it you know what I mean like yeah I mean the other thing is like within the more to my understanding within the Mormon faith marriage is like very very sacred you know you're not very you're not really supposed to get divorced I've been told that women can't get into heaven without being married to a man oh my god because (laughs) men like men are told within the Mormon faith I don't really understand it but I guess maybe when you die the men are told like how to get into the gates of heaven and so if the woman isn't with the man she can't get in the woman has to be with the man because the man's going to, like, open the gate for her and her kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very sacred, special thing to get married. You yeah, know, it's yeah. literally the rest of eternity, your salvation. It's, like, this big thing. And and so to me, it's, like, 
if it's so serious and important, shouldn't you wait until you know you're with someone who you have this very serious, important connection with? And you're at a certain age where you understand what it really represents and means. You have, like, the maturity behind knowing what marriage stands for. And you know that you're not doing it just because you, like, want to have sex with them. Because that's, like, the worst reason I can possibly imagine marrying someone, you know? Like, oh, well, I can't have sex if we aren't married. So I'm going to marry you for the rest of my life and then for eternity after that so I can have sex. Yeah. For five minutes. Yeah. Um, she also, she discussed something interesting because she attended BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know many people at BYU. I know a few people and I'm sure everybody has a different experience and this was also in the past, so it could be totally different now. Um, but she was saying how a lot of the, of the women at BYU had children because a lot of them got married during college and started having sex immediately and got pregnant immediately. Yeah. And a lot of them had babies and she was saying how cavalier they were about um, having children. Like, like they would kind of just, she would. She described one story in which she was waiting in line for the bathroom and the girl in mm-hmm. front of her was holding her baby. And right before she went in the stall, she just, she handed the baby to her and was like, well, like, I'll be right back. Like, just like, <laughs> like as if. Without asking. Was, yeah. As if you were saying like, oh, can you like watch my purse? I'll be back in a minute. Like, just like the most nonchalant flippant like thing with a child and I find that I find that really strange as well um I don't know it just it's it's not necessarily it's something that um evades and seems to exist outside of my my uh like sense of awareness I don't really it just doesn't penetrate to my to my personal being I mean as you can probably tell Rachel and I are pretty atheistic I'm not (laughs) I'm agnostic but um, I mean, I, I was raised Jewish and I still connect with Judaism a lot. Um, and I don't, I want, I don't want to be like, I know that Mormons have been persecuted for a while and I don't want to add in, you know, talking, saying anything bad or negative about Mormonism. Um, we're just talking from our own personal experiences and tangents of things we've heard. Um, I'm biased because I had a close friend who, um, was raised Mormon and now doesn't really identify with it. So I've heard a lot of her perspective about it, and I've learned a lot about the the religion from her. It's less about Mormonism and more about the various cultures that seem to be bred out of any kind of religious institution. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of examples happen to exist within the realm of Mormonism. And, and because Rachel said again, like, that is our experience. We knew a lot of um, Mormon uh, families in high school so that's the kind of thing we were exposed to um yeah wow we really went on to talk about marriage but that's what we do here um let's see i really i wish i could find um oh sorry if you guys heard that i'm currently sitting in my closet to try to get minimal echo we're both sitting in our I closet just banged my a, computer against socially... the closet door this is a socially distanced podcast. Yeah, we're doing this over Zoom because I'm currently in Portland and Sophie's in Los Angeles. So this is kind of not necessarily an advice question, but I think would be interesting, especially as we're kind of approaching the end of our time, 40 minutes in, um, about how COVID-19 has altered your relationships with your friends and family. This mm-hmm. is just a question that somebody asked 
um, on r slash ask reddit um, and people have like interesting responses a lot of people um, have said that their relationship with their family is stronger some people have said that it hasn't really changed mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about that Rachel how do you feel your relationships have changed um I think it's become a lot more candid I think we've Mm -hmm. all really been struggling with, like, mental health, and that's, I mean, we've all been struggling with mental health our whole lives, like, don't get me wrong, Gen Z, like, we're all, we've all been (laughs) anxious and depressed, we talk about it, whatever, but um, it's gotten worse during the pandemic, and I don't think we have the energy to fake happiness anymore, you know? Like, I think people are very honest about, yeah, I'm struggling, and I'm not gonna even pretend that I'm not, so with my family... Um, I've been really honest about what I've been going through. They've been very honest. And we, and, and because this is like my fourth or fifth time coming home from college. So we've had enough space between like my high school self and my college self. We've bonded a lot and gotten a lot closer. And with my friends, we haven't been talking that much because we don't have much energy to reach out. But when we talk, it's, it's very like personal self reflective talking about the growth we've been through so I think we've really like my personal community has really come together because of Mm -hmm. this even though I still spend so much time like alone in my room quarantining even at college we're not really supposed to hang out in dorm rooms or anything so that's my experience what about you Sophie yeah I mean I think I have a similar experience I think on one hand I feel less afraid to reach out to people than I used to be. I think I was, I always had an anxiety about it. Um, And even though I am, I do consider myself an extrovert in that I get a lot of, I get my energy from being around other people. So Mm -hmm. I dislike being by myself. If I'm by myself for even like two hours, I I would get very, very upset and very unhappy. I remember freshman year of college, I would have like a break between classes where my roommates weren't home and I was just by myself and I wasn't at lunch with anybody. I wasn't studying with anybody. I was just by myself and it would, it would send me like into a really, really bad state of mind. And it was frustrating to me that I couldn't even be by myself for a few hours at a time. So I think on one hand, COVID has helped me improve my relationship with myself. I feel while I still think of myself as an extrovert and somebody who gets energy from being around other people, I, I feel like I can actually hang out and do things and be productive on my own, which is nice. Um, and I think that also is just part of growing up in, in general, like just yeah. learning how to do things by yourself and not necessarily need the presence of people. Um, and I think with my friends, I feel less afraid to reach out to them. I feel like, you know, if I want somebody in my life and I really care about somebody, I want them to know that. I want them to know that I enjoy having them in my life and that I I want them to be in my life for a long time. And I think I feel less scared of making that known and being vulnerable in kind of an extreme way, all of it, like very suddenly. Um, And I like that. I, I like that. I think that's improved. I also think I am taking less bullshit from people. Um, I think I've, my self-confidence has improved and, you know, I had somebody that I know, um, a few weeks ago made a lot of comments about my appearance and things like that and just Mm -hmm. things I didn't appreciate. And in the past, I totally would have brushed it aside. I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just been very submissive to it and just kind of let it happen. But I actually, like for the first time in my personal history, I actually stood up for myself and was like, Hey, I don't like 
I don't appreciate that you say that to me and that actually like sucks and I wish you yeah. didn't do that. That's um, that's shows so much growth if you had known Sophie throughout the years. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that it's just yeah made me more candid and more on willing to be more honest with people regardless of what what they might think or what might happen because you know there's. I, the older I get and, and the more life that I live, I realize that we are not entitled to any amount of time on planet Earth and that we I, I ought to, you know, respect the people and love the people that are in my life as well as myself as much as I can and as honestly and genuinely as I can um, while I am here. And I, I just I feel like there's no time to waste. I don't know. I I started to really examine why I was doing the things I was doing socially um, and realizing that there was no reason for it. Like, why am I afraid to reach out to people? Because they think I'm, a, I'm bothering them? Because they think I'm annoying? Well, if they think that about me, then they're not somebody that I really want to be friends with. Um, like, and I think that's, that's a big thing about COVID. I think with my family, um, I'm not sure what's changed much. I think I, I don't know. I don't really know if anything has changed in my relationship with my family. Um, I think... It's anything that if anything has changed, it's because I'm growing up and becoming more of an independent adult and less because I have COVID, um, which I, you know, I'm grateful for. You know, everything's pretty much status quo there. Um, I think, yeah, relationships with friends with myself has really been the big thing that's happened. So hopefully we can at least, you know, taking something good out of a really negative situation. Which we know isn't the case for everybody, unfortunately. No, unfortunately it isn't. But the pandemic isn't over. There's still time. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> hopefully it will be over. Hopefully. Eventually. Yeah, I really... I don't know at what point in the podcast you said this, but you said something about, like, like you're not stressed about the future anymore mm-hmm. because you know there might not be a future mm-hmm. slash you don't know what it's going to look like mm-hmm. and I really resonate with that I've spent so much of my time like I, I go back between like feeling depressed about the past and missing it and about things that have happened and feeling anxious about the future and not being prepared not taking the right mm-hmm. you know preparations whatever <laughs> being prepared basically <laughs> But yeah, recently I've really realized that, you know, the future isn't guaranteed. And as much as we try to plan it out perfectly to look a certain way, it just isn't going to look that way. You're not going to experience it how you think you're going to. Things are going to change. There will be a pandemic. You'll get sent home from Spain. You won't have enjoyed Spain that much. You'll have had incredible realizations about, you know, your mental health. And like, and not to speak personally, but um, things just never go the way you planned. And so we really need to detach from our expectations because they not only are they not helpful because they things don't go the way they planned but they're actually detrimental because they keep you from living in the moment and they make you super worried about the future and like i i mean for example i i work for admissions at my university so i have i'm gonna i'm living on campus right now and in like march they said okay this is your room that you're gonna have for the next year your special admissions room it was a hideous room i was so upset about it i was like i don't want to live in that room because my um my friend had lived in that room last year and like bugs always came in there weren't any um there weren't any bug shields and it was really close to this water source we have on campus so he'd have like just dozens of bugs a day coming in and like 
it just isn't very cute, which who cares? It's a college dorm, but I've been very spoiled in my college dorm room. So I was super upset. And then I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't care. I'll deal with it when I get on campus. Like three weeks ago, they were like, actually, we're changing what room you're in because um, we're grouping the students a different way because of COVID. And now I'm in the most beautiful room. It has like these big windows. It has a fireplace. It has this like wood floor. It's incredible. I am so spoiled again. And I could have spent like three months dreading the bad room, trying to plan how to make it cute. Like, I know this is the most first world problem you could possibly have, (laughs) but I could have spent all this time worrying about it. And then I finally, the outcome would have been, oh, you were stressed for all of this time for absolutely nothing because you actually have a really cute room. Mm -hmm. And even if I had had that room, it would have been stressed for nothing because... I'm sorry, is the stress about not having a room you like worth anything? No, of course not. Like, you just live in it, and it's a space that you're occupying. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was I had a similar experience because I was supposed to study abroad this winter. Yes, um, you were. I was. And when this all happened, I knew that study abroad programs would be canceled. I was unsure if mine would be canceled, but at the time, I kind of mentally prepared for it. And I was like, okay, yeah. like, realistically, like there are going to be so many issues with international travel, with living abroad, studying abroad, you know, um, now because of COVID that are, are not, we're not, would not have been issues previously. And I just kind of mentally prepared and I was like, you know what, like it would be wonderful to go, but if I can't, like I have a really nice place to live all year and, um, those countries are always going to be there for me to travel to at a later time. And yeah, it got canceled officially a few weeks ago. Um, and it was, I, I think, you know, I, I didn't spend the time worrying about whether it would be or it wouldn't be, or like filling out all this paperwork or spending the money, you know, to secure my spot or whatever. I just kind of let it happen. And when it didn't, I was already prepared for that expectation or for that outcome. And, um, I wasn't too bummed about it. I mean, obviously I am, but I, you know, I've spent more time and I can actually make my room at my um, apartment here at college look really nice now because I'm not going to have to move out in a few months. And I get to spend more time getting to know my housemates um, rather than just kind of like dipping after the first four months of school. So it sucks, but I'm grateful, you know, that I get to be here still. And I love, you know, where I go to college. So I like being here. Um, And I think that just kind of accepting that I don't know what's going to happen anymore um, makes what does happen seem a lot better. And I'm also honestly a bit grateful that I don't have to go through the process of filling out all the paperwork only for them to cancel it like three weeks before I go, you know, that would have been annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Before I went abroad, I went through this super lengthy process of getting all these classes pre-approved and putting together the schedule, whatever. And when I finally got to Spain, I mean, it was so stressful going back and forth to different, like, teachers' offices. When I finally got to Spain, the leader of my program was like, hey, these are the course times and courses offered, and you can't take the courses you planned on. And then once I was in Spain, I had to, like, re-get everything approved over email and totally change what I was going to do. Freaked out about that. And then we got sent home, and I withdrew from three of those classes, and it was like, why did I spend so much time stressfully running back and forth between offices, emailing, like trying to perfect the schedule that I have now just withdrawn from anyway? Mm -hmm. It's like such a slap in the face about preparation. But, you know, it is good to prepare for the future to a certain extent. 
yeah, it's good to prepare, but it's also good, I think, that at least what COVID's been showing us, that it's it's things are not going to work out in any way that we anticipate, and that the world is chaos. The world is utter chaos, and there's no way or reason why things happen. Um, and it's humbling, I think, for humanity <laughs> to have that realization <laughs> every is. so often. I wish we could have it in ways that weren't quite as d- detrimental um, to our society, but, you know... I have faith that we will recover. I hope that we come out of it better. I hope we come out of it, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I hope we come out of it with a new president um, and with yeah, me too. a better, a better um, you know, political body leading us and with a greater appreciation of being together. But, you know, I'm just letting it happen and trying to do what I can to build a better place. <laughs> oh, God. This is, like, so silly of me to say. Well, I mean, it's been about 50-ish minutes. Do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think we should wrap it up, and I'll get on, get on with my, my readings. Okay, okay. Well, thank you all for joining us on our first episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> we promise they'll get better, more succinct, and um, if you ever want to send in questions there's ever a demand for that then we can start answering those yes definitely and hopefully this is a good introduction to what our conversations naturally look like which is us just all over the place welcome to the life of being a confused young adult in 2020 pushing 20 (laughs) it's pushing 20 welcome to our minds see everybody in the next episode yeah thank you so much for listening Bye.